Tis the month of St. Patty's Day, and here's a random related fact. Did you know that the odds of finding a lucky four-leaf clover are 1 in 10,000? I'd say that's pretty difficult. Fortunately, if you're a business owner or hiring manager, you don't need luck to find top talent for your team. You need ZipRecruiter, and right now you can try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash Bob. You don't need a leprechaun when ZipRecruiter's brilliant technology is going to walk you right to that pot of gold of top talent. As soon as you post your job, ZipRecruiter powerful technology starts showing you the best qualified candidates for it. Aren't you just a wee bit curious to see how ZipRecruiter can help you? Well, today's your lucky day because you can try ZipRecruiter for free. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash Bob. In fact, four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Once again, just go to this exclusive web address to try ZipRecruiter for free. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash Bob. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. In this episode of the Oddcast, we want to go a little bit deeper with a comedian whose work we absolutely love, the British comic Sarah Millican. We always have an odd one in the crowd. So it's kind of odd. Decidedly odd. Doesn't that strike you as a little bit odd? No, it doesn't strike me as a little bit odd. It's the Bob and Sherry Oddcast, the stuff we wouldn't, couldn't, or shouldn't do on the regular show. Now, here's the Oddcast. So on the regular daily Bob and Sherry show, we have a feature that we launched way back in the beginning of the COVID pandemic when everybody was so like freaked out and bummed out. It's called Everyone Needs a Laugh. And we did it for a couple of reasons. We wanted to give people just something silly and funny to laugh at. And we wanted to help um, the comedy industry. We have a lot of friends who are stand-up comedians. And when COVID hit, the club shut down. And these people couldn't work. We right. featured some of them on our weekly happy hour and we have featured, I've, I've lost tra- hundreds of comedians on everyone needs a laugh because what started off as a little like, Hey, here's something fun for the pandemic. Um, when we, you know, came out of the pan, when we came out of COVID lockdowns, people were like, Oh, keep doing that. I love it. So we turned it into a regular feature of the show. And every weekday we, put a comedian on blast and we feature their work, right? So one of the comedians that we absolutely love and have featured a handful of times is a British comic named Sarah Milliken. We always have to bleep the bejeebers out of Sarah's sets, Um, but she's really funny and really smart. And we're going to play a bit for you here where she's talking about um, how much she hates what the tabloids do to her. very much, which is a good thing, because I'm a very private person. But a few months ago, there's a story about me in the Irish Mirror. I started in the Irish Mirror, and I moved across to all of the UK tabloids as well. And the story was this. The story was that I'd been on a huge health kick, and I'd lost a dramatic amount of weight. Now, I can't see all of your faces, but the ones I can see down here, you're right to have this expression on them. Huh? <laughs> I've not lost any weight. In fact, I'm fatter than I've ever been and I could not give less of a shit. (laughs) How they came to the conclusion, their story, if you like, they found a photograph I was in, a sort of group shot that was taken at the end of a TV record. They compared that to a photograph a friend had taken of me and they cross-referenced those two photographs with a third one from my Instagram account. So the group shot was a photograph taken at the end of an episode of Nevermind the Buzzcocks, and I had my arm around Lethal Bizzle. Now, if you're over 20, just pretend I said David Essex. Doesn't matter who that was. <laughs> One of the 
if you've got your arm around somebody, everything lifts up. It's very unflattering. And of course, I don't get okay that photograph. The one they compared it to, the one a friend had taken of me, was nice because your friends take nice photos of you because your friends like you. And as your friends don't mind if you take their phones off them and delete all of the ones you fucking hate. <laughs> so they compared those two and they cross-referenced them with a third one from my Instagram account, which was of some satsumas. I shit you not, ladies and gentlemen, this is journalism today. Now, what I didn't like about it was the story wasn't fat woman gets thin, which is not news anyway. The story was fat woman gets better, and that boils my piss. <laughs> the idea that women are told by the media that only one body shape is allowed and everything else is disgusting and needs rectifying is something I, quite frankly, will not fucking tolerate. I feel huge, I feel like a wardrobe. But if I wander around Asda, I blend in. <laughs> if I stand beside any woman on the telly, say Amanda Holden, lovely woman, if I stand beside Amanda Holden, she looks like my next meal. <laughs> oh, has my deliveroo arrived? <laughs> Sorry, I didn't say you there, Amanda. You shouldn't hold a plastic fork like that. It's very confusing for people like me. Oh, I'll pick up what I think is a crisp off the floor. Turns out it's Kylie fucking Minogue. <laughs> She's got to get to a show, guys. Let's give her a hand. <laughs> the thing is, I've got a belly. Give us a cheer if you've got a belly. <laughs> some of your bellies might be bigger than mine. Some of them might be smaller than mine. Doesn't fucking matter. What I don't understand is why I'm supposed to hate my belly. I quite like my belly. It's full of things I love. <laughs> I do. I quite like it. Sometimes I rub it like this for comfort. Now, if this was pregnant, people would want to touch it, wouldn't they? If this was pregnant, people would ask about the sex, and I'd say it's pretty much the same way you do, just a bit more slappy. <laughs> if this was pregnant, people would ask, when's it due? And I'd say it sort of depends what I've had for me tea. <laughs> if it's bread, I'd stand well back if I were you. To be fair, it was once scanned, but that was by accident at a self-service checkout. <laughs> There's no mystery to it. There's no magic to it. The reason I've got a belly is because I like to eat food. It's really that straightforward. Have you ever been in a restaurant and ordered one dessert and two spoons? One dessert and two spoons, so you can get it in faster. <laughs> but what I say to you, if you've got a belly, next time you see your belly, maybe you're getting ready for bed after the show, maybe you're in the shower in the morning, whenever it is, just give it a little comfort and rub. And just say to yourself, some people are beach body ready, and some of us are Christmas body ready. <laughs> I didn't genuinely worry about people who are beach body ready at Christmas, because they're like, oh, God, I've just had a matchmaker and I'm stuffed. <laughs> and I'm like, well, I've been training for this all year, get out of me fucking way. <laughs> get myself in a bit of a tizzy about these things though. Do you ever start a conversation with your partner with the words, you know what? And they know just to shut the fuck up. <laughs> it's one of those very conversations about this exact thing with my husband quite recently. I said to him, you know what? I said, you know what? When I'm on the telly, I feel like a fucking giant sometimes. I feel like a fucking giant. I said, you know what? I bet next time I'm on one of those chat shows like Graham Norton or Jonathan Ross, they'll have all the Hollywood stars lined up on the sofa, the teeny tiny Hollywood stars all lined up on the sofa. Then when it's my turn to come out, they won't say my name. No, they'll all just stand up and go, Fee, five. <laughs> 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 so 
Dinosaurs will ripple like in Jurassic fucking park and I'm not gonna sit on that sofa. No, no, they'll just open a window and it'll be my massive fucking eye. <laughs> my husband said, that's not what I thought you were gonna say. <laughs> going to see. So I thought you were going to say that when you sat on the sofa, all the Hollywood stars went flying. <laughs> Sarah Milligan. Uh, I can see why we don't play her on the regular show. Oh, my goodness. We have to take a so break. Funny. All right. We'll uh, continue. It's Bob and Sherry. Sarah Milligan is, is just so funny. And, um, you just love it when somebody is comfortable in their own skin. They're comfortable with their weight, whether it's they're very skinny or maybe a few too many pounds. I was at a cocktail party. This been years ago, and I knew these two guys. I didn't know them well. Uh, they weren't really friends, but they were acquaintances. And they're both about the same age. And they're standing there. and hadn't seen each other in a while, and they each have a drink in their hand. And one of them says to the other, well, how's it going? How how you doing? I haven't seen you in a while. He goes, you know what? I am chubby and happy. And the guy laughed who uh, was asking, you know, how you're doing. He said, you know what? That's the way to be. Just enjoy your life. That's the way to be. And, you know, the guy who said he was chubby and happy, I mean, he wasn't, you know, a, a greatly obese or anything like that. He just didn't have a Rob Lowe sort of look, you know? Um, and, and I thought about him often that he just said to himself at one point, and I think his wife agreed, we're just going to enjoy life and, and not try to be something that is so difficult to attain. I was thinking when I was listening to Sarah Milliken that if I had to like carve my own tombstone right now, it would say, she was tired of thinking about her body. <laughs> I'm tired of thinking about it. I'm tired of hating it and criticizing it and always feeling like at some point in the future, I'm going to improve it. Things are going to be better somehow. Like I'm tired of it. I feel like I can't remember. And I think this is probably true for most women. I can't remember a time when I haven't been thinking about my body. I don't, because I come from a family where there was a lot of um, uh, inappropriate fixation on a woman's appearance. I can't remember a time when I was at home in my skin and unaware of my shortcomings. And, and I tried to raise my daughters differently. We'll see if I failed or succeeded or it made any difference at all. But I am tired of thinking about it, which isn't to say that I don't try to eat fruits and vegetables and exercise and take a vitamin and all that crap. I'm not over here going like, and as soon as I get off this microphone, I'm drinking moonshine and eating raw meat and y'all can go yourselves. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying I'm tired of I'd having it riding shotgun with me. Yeah. I've come to realize that I'm going to be about where I am now, you know, unless I really go off the rails. I got down to about three or four pounds below what I normally weigh, maybe five at, at one point. I don't know why. Um, I, I guess maybe I was just eating less and I was uh, riding my bike more. I, I really don't know why. 
And I took a look at it, and generally I don't look at a scale, but I can tell how my watch fits, how my belt fits, you know, whether I'm up or down. And my watch was loose and my belt was uh, kind of loose. And so I got on Mary's scale, and I was below four and a half, five pounds. I went, wow, well, this is the new you. <laughs> this, this is what you need to do to stay healthy and to fit into clothes. This, this is the, the new you. And then I stayed up late over a weekend and, you know, had pizza later than I should. Got a can of peanuts out, got a few potato chips. And, and for like three days, we weren't working and put it right back on again. And so I just realized that I'm not going to be going back to that weight unless it's just a fluke. And I'm okay with that. Okay. I tell you something. In growing up, this was a huge issue between my mother and me. Because the message my mother gave me is, you will not be lovable to anybody in life unless you weigh a certain amount. That was it the whole time. And even into adulthood, when I've gained weight, she has intimated the same thing. And I don't know, I don't think that she's doing it to be cruel. I do it because I think she thinks, well, he's never going to find anybody. And so I better, I better push him in this direction. Otherwise, it's going to be disaster for him in his personal life. And I was like, oh, please, I can have disasters in my personal life all by myself, regardless <laughs> of weight. But people say very interesting things to you when you either lose weight or gain weight. And I've done both. And, and now I'm down. But here is what they'll say when they've noticed that you've lost weight. Hey, you look so much better. They don't say, hey, you've lost weight. They say, you look so much better. Meaning, before, does that you mean they, so that they thought yeah. you, oh, they must have thought I, yeah. you know, I yeah. mean, that's all I it's can It's a think. tricky minefield. And the yeah. other thing they say, if they've noticed that you've put on weight, they will say this. Wow, you look awfully happy. Like, that's the, so. they want to, they want to say, wow, you you're a chubby little clown. <laughs> You're a chubby, happy little clown. I can, it's because, wow, you filled out. <laughs> I know, I know of a family, and they had several children. Uh, I think they had four children, and the parents were like your mother, uh, and I think they were maybe not quite as old as your parents, but maybe seven or eight years, 10 years younger, but, but that generation. And they decided that, uh, just like your mother, um, they were never going to get these kids married off or they, whatever reason. And they posted, a, a scotch tape, actually a sign on the refrigerator that said fat is ugly. And so if you went over oh. to their, their house as a guest and you're in the kitchen you're seeing that, which is very disconcerting. I mean, I can't imagine if somebody was invited over there that maybe, you know, was a little chubby and gets, gets a load of that. They'd never want to come back again. And, and that's not to say what it might do to you. I don't know what happened to the, the children, but I, w- I would imagine there'd be a possibility for that getting in one of their heads and they're having weight issues one way or the other later in life. 
not a possibility. I think a probability is the yeah. better word. I, yeah. I had an aunt when I was really, really little um, who used to say, now I was like, this was before we moved out West. So this is before second grade. A minute on the lips, a lifetime on the hips. Oh yeah. I've oh, heard that. Okay. I'm, I'm six. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like what? <laughs> I didn't even, I didn't understand what it meant. But I could tell by the way she was saying it and all the context clues that that this was something that was I was doing something that I should feel some shame about. And the the pattern of um, disordered eating and like weird body stuff in my family was so pronounced. I mean, you have to remember for a lot of reasons, not just this, like I didn't even get my period for the first time till I was almost in high school because I had clinical malnutrition. So yeah. how do you reconcile a child who is clinically malnourished and is being treated for that with a minute on the lips, a lifetime on the hips? Like food, food should not be weaponized. It, it yeah. just should not be weaponized. And a sign on the refrigerator that says fat is ugly, that is so offensive and cruel and inappropriate. And, and I'm going to say it, abusive. That kind of shit is abusive and toxic. And we are on this planet. Yeah, be, we should be healthy. Whatever that means for you. I think it means different things for different people. I think that um, depending on your genetics and your height and a million other factors, healthy for you doesn't mean the same thing as it does for Max or Doc or me, Right. I think we should. Be I agree healthy. with everything that but you're I, saying. Let me but finish. We do need- let me, let right. me finish. You're on this planet for a really short time. Like you can count it in hours. How many of them? How many of them do you want to give over to self hatred because you weigh ten pounds more than you think you should, or fifty pounds more, or ten pounds less, or whatever it is? It's petty and ugly, and I hate it. And I'm so tired of it. I agree with everything you said. Um, I, I will, I, I feel like I have to say that if you look back at photographs of Americans in the 1930s and the 1940s, they were very thin. Those people, we would say today, this is a species that is very thin. What has happened to a lot of us is that fast food came along and convenient food came along and it's all delicious. And it's sugar. everywhere, and in some and in sugar, and uh, it it's just everywhere, and it's very appealing to sit on the couch, and this is not a cliche because I do it with a, a bag of Cape Cod potato chips, and just consume the entire bag while watching something on Netflix. It's very easy to do, but back then, that wasn't a thing. They didn't even they didn't have those choices. And the foods were just not as fatty as as they are now. It's super complex because um, everything is different. Serving sizes are different. Um, right. They people didn't have industrialized food back then to the degree that we have it now. They right. they didn't, and they didn't have the um, massive amounts of sedentary entertainment. And all the transportation options that we have. I mean, it's a lot more than just willpower is what I'm saying. 
And people have, there's a lot of inequity in the food distribution system. There are places we call them food deserts where the only thing that you can get your hands on is, is processed. And, and those foods are cheaper. Really, the kind of really healthy food that Gwyneth Paltrow wants us to eat, that should cost a lot of money. I'm sorry, it, does. it just does. Yeah, it does. it does. And when you're working two jobs or two full-time and a part-time job, which a lot of people are, you're so tired at the end of the day. You, you know Gwyneth wants you to have a salad and some salmon and some bone broth, but what you have is a bag of frozen tater tots and some cheese. And that's just your reality. And what I, the other thing I'm tired of, in addition to having this constant drumbeat of you're not good enough, you're not good enough, poured into all of us, including our children, starting when they're toddlers, I'm also really tired of having people lecturing you on how you should be making all of these other and better, healthier choices. It's so expensive. It's so exhausting. And the let them eat cake mentality of not understanding how exhausting and hard some people's lives are, like just shut up and worry about what you're putting in your own mouth. It's gross. I hate diet culture. One thing that I've never done, and it's cost us an absolute fortune, and it's a reason that <clears throat> a lot of people in the radio industry um, don't care for me. I won't endorse diet products. I'm like, no, I'm not doing it. No, I'm not doing it. No, I'm not doing it. I'm not doing, I'm not going to name them because they'll sue me because they're all crazy mofos, but I'm not doing the, the thing where the meals get delivered to your house. I'm not doing the fat burning tea. I'm not doing any of it. I won't endorse it. And I won't for this simple reason. Don't we have enough people yelling at you that you're gross and not good enough? I hate myself. I hate my body. This poor, tired body that is healthy and strong and has carried me through all of these days. I hate it. I don't even want to look at it in the mirror. It drives my husband crazy because he's like, how about it's just the two of us empty nesters. How about we spend a little more time naked? I will never spend any time naked. Are you kidding? There's a possibility I could walk by a reflective surface. You're, you're making, and it I know sound, what you're going like to say. You're way, oh, you're way overweight. You're not overweight. That. Well, I mean, I, I have to jump in here because Bob, self hatred I mean, has no has nothing to do with what what you judge my body to be. Self hatred comes from a lifetime of being told you could be thinner, you could be prettier, you could be trying harder. Self-hate, because when, when you say, yeah, but you're not overweight, what you're saying is, if you were overweight, you'd be justified in hating yourself. And do you hear how crazy that sounds? You know why I have self-hatred? Because I know that I think so much of myself. That's. <laughs> yeah, I wish I had that problem. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so don't, don't say things like, yes, but you're, you're not, you're just fine. Because then I, what you're I saying have is, to. there are people listening right now and you're painting yourself like, you know, you could be a Macy's balloon. And that is not the case in the least. I don't think I'm doing that. I never said I never described myself. I just said I hate myself. I don't want to walk around. OK, well, why? Why do you why would you say something as strong as that? I, I don't <clears throat> understand that. Because it's true, because when I catch a glimpse in the mirror, I see my regular person, five foot six, average size body. But the culture has taught me that there's everything wrong with that. 
There's just too much of it. Like, I know what I'm supposed to look like because those images are pumped into my brain every single day on every screen and surface. Self-hatred doesn't come from another person's judgment of you. It comes from your judgment of yourself. And there are so many women, and, and probably men, I don't know how y'all operate in your brains, but there's so many women who would have no difficulty understanding this. They're like, yeah, I know. I get it. I feel that way too. I feel that way too. I'm a man and I understand it. I know I understand exactly what you're saying. I mean, and poor Kevin, he's one of these people. Like my husband, I really envy him. He's like, he's like an animal. He's like manimal. And when I, when I say, what I mean by that is the man is perfectly comfortable in his skin. He doesn't, he, he doesn't, he's not conceited. He just doesn't think about it. He views his body as a resource and a tool, and he is utterly and 100% fully at home inside his flesh. So he's like, it's just the two of us, woman. How's about we get naked and I chase you around? What are you talking about? How's about if we don't do that at all? <laughs> it's no a compliment to you, that. though. You have to. Why, why don't you take it that way if it's just the two of you? Max, can you think you can answer that? Uh, ask the question again. Well, I mean, uh, Kevin is is obviously attracted to her. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he was attracted to her when they first met, and it's been years and years now, uh, and he's still attracted to her. So if, if someone, if Mary came up to me, and uh, and she does, you know, and says something complimentary, that that makes me feel good. That gives me little bit of confidence he's asking um why don't i take it as a compliment that kevin wants to get naked and chase me around why do i still have issues with my own body about that because your internal voice is so all of that stuff is so deeply grooved into yourself from the time you're little it's very a a compliment you go you can play it off, and I'm sure that he means it when he's saying it. But you play oh, it off. I know in your he own, does. You're playing it off in your own mind as, oh, he's just saying that. I know, I know what the reality of this situation is, and that is, and then it's whatever this really awful negative thing you tell yourself about yourself and your body. Be careful what you, you know. Be careful what you say to children. Be careful about putting signs on the refrigerator that are so utterly fat phobic and abusive as fat is ugly. Be careful how you talk to them about what they eat and drink and what they, how they appear and what they do with their physical selves because that's the programming. I mean, think about what Max just, just acknowledged. I do think you have to tell young people, though, that there are certain things and, uh, that they can consume that are better than others. Um, and I, I'm not talking about eating very expensive um, Scottish salmon. I'm just talking about, you know, you've got to eat that broccoli. I know you're not wild about it, but it does wonderful things for you. Maybe it sinks in. Maybe it doesn't th sink in. You know, and, and I do think that uh, who was it that was talking about this the other day? It might have been Bill Maher. He was talking and, and he was actually parroting almost uh, me perfectly. Uh, this is another in, in a way, it's another subject, but it's not. He was saying, what's the matter with, with, with uh, young men today? You know, their, their girlfriend or their wife, they get a little dressed up, do their hair, put on a dress, put on a, you know, a cool pair of jeans and a nice blouse. 
And these guys show up in a T-shirt and, and sandals with socks on. And, uh, you know, a, a T-shirt looks like they slept in. What's the matter? Look, look like a guy who's interested in um, embracing the world and presenting himself to the world. I do think that it, it, as a parent, that sort of encouragement is necessary because kids are wild and they're going to do whatever they want and they're going to eat Skittles, you know, 24 hours a day if they could. So they've, they've got to be coached in some way. I don't think that coaching, I know what you're saying, but I don't know that that makes any difference. I mean, I have the example, my parents have lived to be a ripe old age. And the reason they did is because they kept their weight down and they did it by, they, they, they ate some fried food now and again, and they ate dessert now and again, and they drink a little bit and they do some of those things. But I had the example of this is how you should do it. And yet I still didn't. So it didn't matter. People could talk. My mother could talk till she was blue in the face at me about weight and it wasn't going to make a difference. But you it, are, it can you actually are not, be counterproductive. Again, the Pillsbury Doughboy. Because the message you're getting is, and I said this before, the message is if you were thinner, and I'm not talking about super, super morbidly obese. What I'm talking about is where my weight is, and it's never been really all that bad. But the message, the message is you are not lovable, you are not worthwhile, and you'll never make it in the world. You can't do it unless you are at a certain weight. Now, well, you, you do go out into the – I understand. I understand that that doesn't work. But that's what the internal voice says. That's what the programming is, and it's very difficult to overcome it no matter how much you say, well, that's ridiculous. Of course it's ridiculous, but it's my you, – you believe it in your own head when you're listening to your in, internal voice. It becomes your reality. Right? Like Sherry? I, I, I Completely. understand. I understand. I, I can remember um, – so one of my daughters – I won't say which one. One of my daughters was six, I think. And um, she had been invited to go to some god-awful kids movie. And so, you know, with a bunch of other little kids in her class. And so all the moms took the girls and we went. And um, so I go, I'm standing in line at the concession stand to get a popcorn and an icy. And one of the moms strikes up a conversation with me and says to me, and as God is my witness, I don't think I will ever forget this moment because it shocked me to my core and hurt me deeply and made me furious and also made me grieve. She said to me, so I guess you were pretty hefty as a child too, right? I mean, isn't that where she gets the problem from? Wow. I don't know what to say to that. And, you know, here's the thing. Um, I was so taken aback. I mean, like, it's hard, to, it's hard to render me speechless, but that tripped on so many of my trigger wires, you know, because uh, it – it's just a really fraught issue for me. And I also think that we shouldn't be fixated on that, especially where children. And that was rude AF. Like, oh, my God. I don't know where um, any of us get that problem from. But clearly, where did you get your complete uncouth lack of manners and grace from? Like, I was raised by actual wolves and meth cooks. And I have better manners than this. It shocked me. But the casualness with which she said it, and she didn't even really know me. And she felt comfortable saying that. 
because we live in a culture where one of the last frontiers of people thinking that they can mind your business and judge you is appearance. And it's gross. And that's why my tombstone says she was so tired of having to think about her body. She's just tired of it. Um, it is not for you to police what other people eat or drink. It is not for you to police what they wear or what they weigh. If you think that someone is unhealthy because they're on some extreme end of the spectrum, that's a thought that you can go ahead and build a teeny tiny house for and keep it inside your head. You have no right whatsoever to impose that kind of hurtful hatefulness on another person. You just don't. And unfortunately, we live in a culture where the entire culture is mobilized to impose that kind of hateful hurt. And it's exhausting. And I think that Sarah Milliken, as a comedian, took that exhaustion and pain. And clearly, I mean, it really hurt her feelings. You could tell what is comedy but pain plus time, right? So the job of the comedian is to take the truth that hurts and stings and present it to you in a way where we all recognize and see ourselves in it. And this time we laugh about it instead of being hurt or humiliated or crying. But it doesn't make it any less true. Agreed. So, yeah, I don't care what y'all. I genuinely don't care what y'all eat. Although I will say, when my husband puts weird-ass condiments like Heinz 57 sauce in my bolognese. No. That, that Mitigan's looking. He's cruising for a bruising, as we used to say up in Philly. <laughs> Mitigan is looking for a fight. New episodes of the Oddcast every single Monday. Our website is B-O-B-A-N-D-S-H-E-R-I.com. Check out True Weird Stuff. We drop new episodes of that every Friday. Apple, Google, Spotify, and all the podcast platforms. And this Friday, I do believe our episode is on the great silence. If the universe is filled with intelligent aliens, where is everybody? We'll see you next time on the Oddcast. Hey, thank you so much for listening to the Bob and Cherry podcast and the Bob and Cherry Oddcast. We would love if you would subscribe, rate and review and share it with a friend on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, wherever you go. And thank you again for listening. Tis the month of St. Patty's Day, and here's a random related fact. Did you know that the odds of finding a lucky four-leaf clover are 1 in 10,000? I'd say that's pretty difficult. Fortunately, if you're a business owner or hiring manager, you don't need luck to find top talent for your team. You need ZipRecruiter, and right now you can try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com Bob. You don't need a leprechaun when ZipRecruiter's brilliant technology is going to walk you right to that pot of gold of top talent. As soon as you post your job, ZipRecruiter powerful technology starts showing you the best qualified candidates for it. Aren't you just a wee bit curious to see how ZipRecruiter can help you? Well, today's your lucky day because you can try ZipRecruiter for free. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash Bob. In fact, four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Once again, just go to this exclusive web address to try ZipRecruiter for free. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash Bob. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire.